Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Told in semantic. Special dedication, all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sued in semantic. Yeah, man, Big up to the man, yeah. Sued in semantic. In semantics, I am your host, Ralph Lipinski, and today we have a special guest. All my guests are special, that's it. That's it. I say this every time. Pharrell, thank you for coming, brother. Appreciate it. So, Pharrell is a South African, one of the few accents that can never get down. Technically, African American. That's true. I need my American passport to travel back to South Africa, so. Really? Yeah, because I did all my own paperwork. Self-proclaimed lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, okay. and uh, when I finished, I, um, I didn't realize that I needed to, if I wanted to have dual citizenship, I had to do some little things that if I was a lawyer, I would have actually known. And so, uh, I didn't, and so when, as soon as I became a citizen, yeah, I became not a South African anymore, and I lost my South African citizenship, so... Um, it's, it's, you, you can't keep you can't keep it. You can, but it's it's part of your part of your. I could get it back, but it's part of your swearing in that you renounce any other sovereignty to any other country or any other allegiance to any other country. And there's some sort of form that you fill out, saying "blinader," mm-hmm. which means uh, that's a Hebrew word. It means uh, kind of without a promise. Yeah, it's the kind of. What was it like growing up there? Uh, and how did you find your passion for filmmaking? It's funny because the filmmaking, the passion for filmmaking actually started way back then. I was, uh, when I was in high school, I uh, was never turned on by anything. I was like a typical screw-up student. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden I found theater and, and that whole vibe. And I, and I just came to life. In the last couple of years of high school, we were in Yeshiva and we took the yeshiva to like the finals in these inter um, like plays that we were competing with other schools, with non-Jewish schools, and uh, and all of a sudden our school was in the finals um, after years of like just being ne- never making it up there. Mm-hmm. So I really showed like a, a, that I could do this stuff, and my parents I thought would tell me I, mean, I decided then I wanted to fall, and my parents. I figured they're gonna they're gonna tell me, sorry kiddo, it's not a film, but not a job for a, a religious Jewish boy. And actually, they were cool. They said, no, just go speak to someone in the industry. So I went to speak to this guy, and it interesting. Was, so you were surprised that they were just, they were so supportive. Uh, I was blown away that they were. But then I went to the guy in the industry. I found like a couple of people just to talk to to see if it was really something viable. And it was South Africa's history is pretty funny because well, not funny, but um, it just. At the time, and the relevance is that the years of apartheid had had, a, had an impact on on South Africa commercially and otherwise. And the guy I went to see said, "Listen, dude, if you plan on being in America, then uh, you know you could pursue film and that because South Africa there is no industry." And he, he talked me out of it. And I was a good kid, so I actually didn't pursue it. And so I, I didn't get into film then. I went. I became. Uh, I went to Yeshiva. Met my wife in Jerusalem. Uh, got into computers after that. Studied computers. Were you, live, were you staying in? in no, but then I met my wife in the street in Jerusalem, and uh, we were married in Jerusalem. And then we, she, she took me kicking and screaming to to the USA. Um, and we've been here ever since. That. How did you meet in the street? I'm curious. Was this some, some crazy <laughs> story? Um, it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, my. Uh, I had a good buddy who, who was not afraid of anything, and he saw this cute girl sitting on Ben Hudasu drinking coffee, and he said, I'm going to go and meet that girl. And I said to him, Zev, we don't meet girls in the street. I mean, we're in your show. She's from Scandinavia. Look at her. She's a blonde, whatever. And uh, she's probably not Jewish. Right. So, he's, so he basically said, screw you. And I said, fine, screw you. <laughs> not, not, not in a bad way, in a friendly way. And um, he took his guitar, and, uh, and uh, um, I had my guitar, we were, we were 
we pretended to play and stuff. Uh, he, he actually plays much better than me. And um, he went over to them and he was, hang uh, oh, the girl, and he's talking to her and then another girl arrived and, and I started talking to some soldiers who were, you know, they had long hair and, and I, at, another, at another table at this coffee shop. And, um, and then after like, you know, finished my conversation with the soldiers and I went over to, to the table, right, and we started talking, her and I. And um, then I just, one thing led to know that she, we ended up leaving, bumping into the same girls like two days later at a club or pub or something. It was like, uh, it was a break. They call it Bain has my name. It's uh, be between the times, it means. Isn't in, that in way off of, of Beluda? It's, it's no, the club, it's not, uh, I'm not saying the name of the club, I'm saying that it was Baina's name in Yeshiva. Oh, okay. But it was like the break in Yeshiva. So we weren't learning in Yeshiva all day, we were no, I'm familiar hanging out in the street. I went to school in Israel. <laughs> so uh, it was actually Mike's place, I think was the name of the club. Sure, Mike's place, okay. And, okay, uh, and then, it, whatever, anyway, bottom line is six months later I'm married to that girl. Like, it's, it's pretty interesting, pretty wild story. My friend was the, yeah, was the introducer and he was the one who tried to pick up the girl, which is kind of hysterical. Funny how that works. It's <laughs> weird how that works. Yeah, it's quite a wingman, unintentionally, but that's funny. I'm so, yeah, I'm it's so, I love when stories like this happen. I love when it's not, I'm not a big matchmaker person. I'm, well, for me, not at all, but like, when it happens organically, when it happens naturally, it's so much nicer. Like, when it just kind of happens, it was miracles. So, a whole thing. I went home and cried. That was the, like after the, like the second time that I met her, and then and then I gave her my number and I took her number or friend's number because you didn't even have a number then. We didn't have cell phones those days. I'm an old fart. You know? um, I'm a young filmmaker, but I'm an old fart because the filmmaking actually came back much later on. Okay. Um, but um, took her number and she didn't expect me to call because people. You know, people don't call and stuff, and then she... Well, maybe your friend could have called, and then you could have just... <laughs> <laughs> and she gave me that, but my, my buddy, he ended up talking to the other girl anyway. Okay. Uh, you know, it, was, it was kind of, very, like I said, organic. It was, it, was, it was nice organic. We stayed friends. He was at the wedding. Yeah. Um, and, and the wedding was in Israel. So did you bring all your family in there? My family, my immediate family folks and uh, I have cousins who live there mm -hmm. um, all showed up for the wedding sure it was it was wild I just made a wedding for my oldest daughter wow so oh, uh, really? just the difference yeah wow you seem you seem really young dude I know I told you I'm an old fart what are you talking you know you're close that how old are you 48 I would have never thought I would have never thought man I thought you were in your 30s to be honest I thought you were in your, like because I'm so sexy I know Gabe, if Gabe was listening to this, he'd be like, damn straight, Goldsby, he'd say something like classic, you know, you know. No, it's classic Gabe, bro. <laughs> Gabe's my brother. I would have him on for a podcast in character. I haven't seen him in ages. He'd be juggling and doing handstands, I don't know. He's a character. So, uh, yeah, so, okay, so you got into filmmaking. You met, first of all, great story in how you met your wife. I'm yes. hoping that, I'm hoping Well, that. actually, it's, it's sort of relevant to film as well, which oh, is weird. So I mean, sh sh so I told you I was a good boy. So I, I listened to this guy. He told me there's no industry in South Africa. I've got into doing other things because I figured I'll never be a filmmaker, but I do want to have a wife and be responsible and blah blah blah. So I meet this girl and we hit it off obviously and we got married. Her uncle is actually a, a real film producer in Hollywood. I mean, there's a million producers out there, but he's done real work. He's he's even done films that have been nominated for maybe even one some Oscars, I'm not sure. He did The Cooler with uh, William H. Macy and I think, I think it was Buddy Baldwin, one of the Baldwins. Um, he did another one called uh, uh, with Nicolas Cage, The Bad Lieutenant was a remake. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Cage's movies. I've seen, I've seen, no, I've seen a decent amount. But. Well, I mean, so anyway, he's, he's done a bunch of films, but I'm the good kid who's going and being a computer guy and you know trying to stop my family and whatever and uh, I just I was so brainwashed away from this passion that I had when I was a kid and 
I never really developed or capitalized on this familiar relationship. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff is achieved by knowing somebody in the industry and maybe they give you a, especially when I was 20 something years old. Sure. As it happens, um, 10 years later, I'm doing, I'm studying in uh, uh, university to improve my marketability as an IT guy. And I took an elective in photography. We were living in London at the time. We bounced around. And uh, I went and I did my first project for this photography. And I, I came home and I, like 12 hours. I worked solid 12 hours shooting stuff in the... I got a permit to shoot in the subway, in the tube in London. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't feel like I had worked one minute. And I thought, if I can make a living doing this, that's what I want to do. So I said to my wife, I thought she was going to divorce me. We had three kids at the time. I said to her, you know, I want to do film. And she was like, all right, cool. We're young enough. Go ahead, you know. So I switched all my majors to film. And within a couple of years. You, she didn't give you any issues. No, she's See, that's what, she, that's what I, you know, I don't want to speak for you and what you felt, but your parents were cool with it, your wife was cool with it, that's kind of like God, God's like, hello. I do this already, mother effort, you know? <laughs> See, I don't even curse on your podcast, so. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't have to, I, uh, you know. I'm, when I uh, went to film school, I learned to curse properly. Yeah, and then I was, I've been a, I had a master's in film as well, and uh, I was teaching in a couple of film schools here, and I'd walk into <laughs> my first class, you know, fresh out of high school kids, and the first day, the first class, the first 10 minutes, I dropped the F-bomb, you know, and uh, the kids are <laughs> <laughs> They have, uh, uh, what, I wonder what South African curses are. Foot sack. <laughs> it's a South African curse, you wondered, so I gave yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your master, and I can't do these. Okay, they'll do that. They get really rough. Like, uh, it's, yeah, it I could do the, the Hebrew version, which you'll know what it is. Because Anmak. Oh, it's not okay. Hebrew, it's Arabic. Arabic. Because you know, you... in, in Israel, there's no curse words. Really. Yeah, yeah, but you, I'm saying you guys in South Africa say that? No. Just... Your master. Would be the same. I can't say oh, it because it's so got much. Got it. Got it. It's. I don't. For some reason, I can't. It's. It's just. It's just so much dirtier soundings. <laughs> At least yeah, one doesn't really have curses. It's funny. So we have to like take curses from other other languages. Right. It's amazing. That it's kind of interesting. pretty cool. Yeah. We don't really have that. We have derogatory words that we've like created, but you know. So we want to bring light to the world. We don't want to. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I used to have this. When I was first doing the podcast, I was it was contra, I was controversial, but it was I had this back and forth feeling whether with whether I should curse or not. Which my conclusion is, I don't give a shit because I have to be myself. So obviously, when we say I have to be myself, I'm not going to let everybody know every single ounce of me. I mean, there's a little bit of I'd like to have a little bit of tact and and all that, but it's part of me. I curse in my everyday life. It helps explain things. It helps, ex helps express things. Most people, most people who are judging, well, no one's said anything to me, but if anyone's judging this kind of thing, they're cursing in their own lives and they're listening to watching movies and listening to music that has it. So it's like, it's very simple. If you mind it, don't listen to it. If you don't mind it, great. Hope to have you, you know, that's really... I'm not talking about you, I'm, talking, I'm saying it in general. No, like you said, it's expressive, it's such a... It helps me express, yeah. expression. It wouldn't be natural otherwise. There's some words or some... There's some phrases or certain concepts that I need to throw, you know, throw a, a fuck in there to explain right. myself. Once in a while. We all do it. Yeah. Anyways, so... Okay, so then what kind of, what kind of film have you gotten into? So now, because you were telling me that you got into... You did, you're, oh, well, you, yeah, started, so, you, were, you were in the middle of saying your wife... Uh, so she, she gave the okay, she gave the green light, so to speak. That's mm -hmm. a you know, big word in, in filmies. Okay. And uh, so I started, I, went, I actually, like I said, changed all my classes to film. And um, because I had already started a family and I needed to make a living and I was really passionate about getting it going, um, I was actually hitting the ground running. I mean, before I finished film school, I was already producing stuff. Wow. And it was mostly like uh, small stuff, music videos, just like different corporate 
stuff for people. But my real passion is uh, I want to do features. So. Have you done any real estate video? Has anyone ever asked you? No. No. You always consider anything because, you know, especially when there's lulls, COVID came along and, and you know, impacted things a bit. And in fact, I, still, I haven't taught uh, in college since, since COVID because I think the enrollment dipped a whole lot. Yeah. And I was really an adjunct, so I, I lost those jobs. Um, so I considered it, but I haven't done real estate. You, you're in real estate, so. I'm saying like real estate videography and stuff like that. Because that would be cool. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it could be interesting if you're doing like those those mansions in Manhattan, you know. So that's what I'm, you know, eventually when I do get into the luxury luxury market, I do want to have very, very high quality videography and drone, you know, drone video. You know, so I'll, I'll, it's not hard to find the right people, but figure yeah, it out. Yeah, look, it's, it's a, for me it's a possibility, but I'm not, um, I, I mean, I want to make feature films. I've got a couple of feature-length scripts that I have. And I, I did a bunch of music videos, I did some ads, some web ads. In some respects, uh, people have heard of Dr. Miami. Do you know Dr. Miami at all? He's, uh, he's, no, no, he's a plastic surgeon, celebrity plastic surgeon. So uh, early on in my film career, let's call it, I, uh, I met him. And, and they actually, the doctor became famous. Well, he was already getting famous, but he became really famous after this. And uh, the singer also managed to capitalize on it. But basically, I went to him to sell him a web ad about nose jobs. He wanted to do rhinoplasty. He wanted a, 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 not a web ad, a TV ad. So we started talking about concepts and ideas. And then he wanted to see samples of my work and a bunch of music videos that I had done involved this Jewish band. I don't know if you've heard of them, The Groggers. I have. I have heard of them. Okay. They do all the holiday songs. Uh, no, I've definitely heard of them. You've heard of them, but they don't do all of their songs. I think the, they, they do punk. like, they're punk rock comedy religious Jewish band, but they, they kind of dissolved already at this point because um, they all moved all over the country and uh, and they never really, really, really made it as the Groggers. But I think that what we did as the Groggers helped to give uh, them stepping stones. But basically, I mean, I have a life event that really impacted all of this, but this was one of the bigger things that happened just before this life event. I'll tell you about it in a second if you, if you want. But basically, we, we, I went to sell him this ad and, and he said, hey, how about these guys? They're, they're cool. I like their, the stuff they're making. It's that funny. Would you ask them if they'll write a music video about nose jobs? So I went to the guys and they said, okay, we'll do it. But there's some rules. We own the song and the doctor doesn't get to mess with any of the stuff that we put in there. So they wrote a song called Jukan Sam, the most job love song. That's, that's, that's controversial. That's right? controversial right there. <laughs> so this is, this is funny because we live in Miami. And uh, in Miami, what, what, what happens? People get shot at like Winn-Dixie or something, or there's a hurricane. Otherwise, there's no news. You know, right. it's, it's pretty, you know, not all that exciting. Right. So, so no one got shot. There were no hurricanes that week, <laughs> and uh, we put our music video up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And the next thing, my kids are watching American Idol on TV, and they said, "Dad, your music video is on TV." And I'm like, "Am I being punked?" And I heard it, and it's coming up in the news: plastic surgeon in hot water of a controversial music video. And this was like the, like, you know, this is, this, this is the advert during American Idol, American Idol for the news that's coming up. And Channel 10, I think it was on a, a few channels actually. Yeah. And, uh, and they played, the news actually played basically my whole music video on the news. And then, it wasn't meant to give you exposure, it was meant to show what this doctor was doing. So he was in hot water because what happened was like a string of events, like miraculous events. So the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, mm -hmm. put out something, and it's really true, if I really think about it, and we were, we, we, we're all Jewish, so the controversy of the big nose or whatever, we actually gave him a nose job. We thought that was going to be the controversy. The doctor gave him a nose job. It, was, it wasn't really, we never put it in the video, although I did shoot it. But he gave him a nose job. We thought that would be controversial that the singer gets a nose job for the video. But 
it was actually the Jewish stereotype that kicked off all the controversy. So the ADL said it's like not rock proper use of the Jewish stereotype. And then, of course, the plastic surgeon or the board of plastic surgeons had to put the doctor under investigation. So it became an actual, just about newsworthy event, especially if there's no hurricanes coming. And so uh, we, uh, it, it blew up. I mean, they flew the singer over to California. There's a show called Doctors. It's kind of an Oprah spin-off, I think, where they interviewed people about medical stuff. So they had the singer go in there and they had the doctor. Mm -hmm. They interviewed him on... Um, you know, it was kind of like defending themselves against this you know, anti-Semitic thing that they did. And it wasn't anti-Semitic. It was like just tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but there's always such a fine line, though, you know what I mean? Because like some people who are saying that have a lot of hate behind it. Some people are totally joking. You know, yeah. I said this, I spoke about this in another podcast. It's, you just, I think it's all about who the person is. You know, so if they do the background check on the doctor and they see that he's never made any post about it or never been accused of it or he's just had a clean record and he seems like a well-to-do guy, it's most likely just a little joke. You know, and we all need that. But if it's a guy who you know, tweeted a bunch of nasty things and, you know, he spit it on his Jewish neighbor's car or, you know, stuff like that, then it's like, okay, this makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the fact is he's a, he's a sweet old guy. He, he, he continues to do controversial stuff and uh, I, I, I don't think I can say the stuff, some stuff I know about him. It's amazing. Like, he, he's super special. Um, as a person, he's a, he's a charitable guy. He's, he's a very good man and he doesn't portray himself as at the doctor I'm talking about. Yeah. But the funny thing is that, well, not the funny thing, it's, uh, is that what I was going to say before is that a lot of the comments on the video, they, it actually started like a whole actual like anti-Semitic uh, line of comments and I never deleted them. I thought, you know, let them put, keep their garbage, their disgusting nonsense up there because you can delete anything off of your own posts. You mm -hmm. know, so I technically could have cleaned it up and I never have. So if you check out you can Sam, you can. You'll see all these, all these nasty You'll see comments. all these nasty comments, and you know, like you know, you could see that they're coming from like, that, like anti-Semitic places. Mm -hmm. It's funny. It is what it is. It exposes yeah. that sometimes. Hundred percent. So anyway, the, the life event. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I was flying high. I mean, that was that was a good place to be, and things were happening. People were calling out of the blue about you know the next project and whatever and uh, in some ways uh, at the time this was 2012-ish um, I was I was certainly one of the more educated and one of the most accomplished religious Jewish filmmakers so there was something there like back in 2012 and then my daughter got sick she, she, she got cancer it was it was Crazy. She went from a completely healthy, running around six-year-old to she had some back pain. Took her to the hospital, and they didn't know what it was. They sent us back home with the like, Tylenol, and then like a week later, she was back in the hospital. They did an MRI. Um, she went into the MRI um, walking. She came out and said, "Dad, I can't feel my legs." So the tumor had caused like a spinal cord injury. And so, thank God, she, she beat the cancer, she, she hammered it. Okay. Um, she's an awesome young lady. Um, she's now 14. But she did the, the spinal cord injury was a whole other animal. Um, we, we went crazy. We, we went and found therapies all over the country. Um, we did tons and tons of research. We, Took her, flew her to Baltimore, to um, uh, Pennsylvania, to California for different things, and we basically, you know, it ba I basically stopped being a filmmaker for a while and became like a, <laughs> a manager for my daughter's therapy. And um, thank God we did it because, you know, at, at some point the doctors, when they don't see spontaneous recovery in the spinal cord injury area. It's like, you know, stay in your wheelchair, hope things are well, kind of thing. I mean, I'm, they're not that crass, but it almost feels like that. And then um, we just chased it and we got her to the point where she... I got into running because of that, because I, um, I would start to push her in her wheelchair at these five cases so she could experience them. 
And then we got her to the point where she was actually able to walk using a walker and braces uh, mm -hmm. on her legs. And she, I would run the race and then she would like, finish the, the last five yards um, of the race walking, which is awesome. And, you know, she's an awesome girl. She's, COVID has messed things up a little bit as well because she hasn't been going to therapy. We're a little bit nervous about, uh, with a spinal cord injury, if this upper respiratory issue is going to, you know, impact her or whatever. So we're, we haven't really taken her out to do that kind of thing, but we, we will get back to it. Anyway, that, that life event impacted me. I stopped being a filmmaker for, for a while. I was actually uh, doing my master's at UM at the time. I just started. It was the week that I started doing my master's in film. And so when I came out of there, I went straight to, to teaching, and I did more teaching, and I was teaching these young filmmakers all my tricks, mm -hmm. uh, and not really advancing. Now I'm back and doing it, and... Uh, I've got so much stuff going on. It's like I've got a reality TV show that I just am wrapping up on the on the pilot for. I've or is, the, is the reality TV show going to be on mainstream TV? I don't know. This I, I still have to sell it. This is um, it's hot off the press. I literally on Friday finished. I would say what we call picture lock. So now it's ready to be color corrected and and have the sound thing. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it myself because I can do all these things myself, but it's. Probably better if I get a person who does it full time to actually take a look at the color and the sound, mm -hmm. and then it's a matter of shopping it to to the TV bases. I don't, I haven't, I wasn't commissioned to do it by um, any of the um, outlets, but I think there's a definite place for it, and it's it's really promising the whole uh, environment that that exists in this in this show. A lot of reality TV shows are so fake. This is this is not fake. This is some of the It really aggravates me on how scripted it is. It's too obvious. Yeah, some this of is not scripted. Too obvious. No, this is not. It, it made it harder to get that first show out and uh, whatever. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think that it can be enormous, and it's it can be international as well. Like we can make a season here in Florida, and then we could go up to. New York, anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. It's on Chabad Shluchim. It's about, yeah. Okay. It is following Shluchim. So Shluchim are emissaries of Chabad. They're everywhere in the world, in the craziest places, like Mumbai. Some of I was talking about, about this with, uh, with a friend on another episode. It's incredible what, what they do. Chabad next or just next level? Yeah. I can't believe nobody's done a, a show about them, but here I am and I've made my pilot and did you, you went to other countries? No, no, but there are, uh, there's potential to, to go there. I think you need to stick with your emissaries that you started with for a whole season. Uh, that's what I would say. Then people get to know them. It's a very good idea. Know them about it's very good idea. It's awesome. I don't know why no one ever did it. I mean, well, it's, it's so colorful. It's like, a, it's like real. I mean, so you got to find, man. you got to find the thing nobody's done. That's it. Okay. That's awesome. I just can't believe that nobody's done it yet. And so, God willing, uh, you know, it will be happening. And then I've got a whole bunch of other things happening. And revisiting um, full feature length, uh, what, we, what we call fictional narratives um, that are... Um, you know, I've got scripts for. I have to rewrite a couple of scripts, um, and I want to make them. I mean, that, that, those are hard because you've got to get money in front. I did make a documentary, also just before she got sick. This was after the the Jukan Sam thing. Yeah. Uh, made a feature length documentary, um, and I never sold it. I was just too busy with my daughter's stuff. Um, I could probably re-edit that a little bit and, and say it's an hour and a half thing on. A lot of my stuff has Jewish stuff involved. Yeah, I can imagine. But what's the documentary on? It's called Rejected. It's about a girl. Actually, some came out that were similar to it. It's about a girl who was in the Hasidic community and, uh, you know, had some life issues that pushed her out. So similar to unorthodox in a way. Yeah, actually, funniest thing. I, I was so overwhelmed because I was doing this thing on myself, very low budget production and I went out to one of these rallies in New York because that's where I was shooting it and I interviewed the unorthodox girl the girl who wrote the original book about unorthodox and I was I had been rolling camera but I was like doing everything sound rolling camera interviewing everything and I was already rolling and I hit 
the stop button by mistake. Ooh. I did the whole interview with her. And it wasn't recorded. And I wasn't recorded, and then I have like, I, so she's not in the film, obviously, but um, um, I have like her saying goodbye because I, I realized right at the end, oh shoot, I didn't, I didn't record. You know, I was a younger filmmaker at the time. Now you know you get more into these things, and you're like, you have an experience like that, and you never start talking or anything until you see the red dot and the. That's part of lay. Yeah, no, that's by the way a, a very, very important lesson to knowing yourself. So I know that I can sometimes be forgetful. We, I mean, we all are, but you know, I have my own shtick. Like I can be spacey at times. So I'm always, I, I kind of prepare myself ahead of time with certain things. I know in my brain, I, if, if I might forget this thing, let me set an alarm or let me put it in my car beforehand. Let me put it in my backpack right now, so this way there's no way I'll forget it. You know, just extra things. Let me, you know, with a, with with the camera. Also, it's happened once or twice. Didn't go a full episode, but yeah, that's it's such an important thing, by the way. For for no matter what you're doing, no matter what industry or profession you're in, to make sure that you you understand what kind of how you operate and to take the proper precautions or, or necessary steps. To make sure that you don't have those little slip ups. I mean, in film, it's actually called the cadence. Like when you're working in a crew, um, you teach this to film students. You say, you know, roll camera, or it depends on how you're doing it, whatever, roll sound, roll camera. And the person who's doing it has to look and see that it's actually rolling. Mm -hmm. And then they'll say speed. And so he's getting feedback before he says roll camera, and then he says roll camera. Um, and it's rolling or speed. Um, and then the person goes in with a clapper and does the clapper. That's all. Yeah, you do that. So that's what it's called. It's called a clapper. The, clapper. the little thing that goes. Yeah, it's called the clapper sticks. Uh, I mean, um, it's a slate. I've always wanted to sit in those little, in those, in those high wooden chairs. Those like oh, the director's chairs. Yeah. The director's chairs, and have that little. I always wanted that. That's something I definitely. Yeah, one of the film schools that I teach at has. Those as part of their furniture, so <laughs> you could just go there and sit in the chair, and then you're done. Don't pay tuition. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. I also want to do voiceovers too. Well, you could. You got a good. I have. I, I. So I love doing impersonations. All right. I can do a bunch. I, I can do it on this on the on the fly. Oh, fine. Yeah, I, I, do, I do German, Arab, Israeli, French, eh, Hispanic of some sort. I do my British. I don't have like. I don't know like specific British, you know, dialects or whatever, so I'll just throw them out. I don't know if they're accurate or not. Uh, what else? We could, we could have a conversation. I mean, I used to do that as well, but um, I haven't done this for a very long time. And American is the, is the hardest for me to do. So I don't, it's funny that you have the British, you know, I could do British much more easily, and of course the Scottish yeah, British. Yeah, I can't get South African down. No? It's uh, yeah, similar to British, but it's not. I can't get it. Yeah, it's like squashed British. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. That's a funny way to look at it. Scottish is, is easy and fun. That's a fun one. They used to have an ad in South Africa, so that's how I went to the Scottish accent. Yeah, you can do a Scottish accent. Lunchbox. I cannot worry about that. No. It's so good. What? No, you've heard that French. That's actually a line from the stupid ad. It's like these these two Scots are sitting there on a, on a couch or chair or bench or whatever, and they're like the ones like, oh look at the look at the nuts and race and. And the guy's looking at his lunch bar, you know, and he's like, can I have a wee bite? And he says, what? No, you've ruined that friendship. It's so <laughs> good. And you look, dude, you look very Scottish. Scottish, huh? You can easily pass for a Scotsman. Nobody would, would be like, oh, no, that guy's Jewish. No, 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 no. The next time I teach a class or something, I'll just go in with the Scottish accent. Especially if you have, like, circular glasses, these, like, round glasses and... I don't know, you take your take your beard and like tie it into two separate things. Right. Wear anything green. We I don't want to mix up Irish and Scottish now, they're both gonna be like, what, what do you mean? Uh? But like I don't think any of them either of them own green, but yeah. They don't own green. Red red. They both do green, but I'm saying neither of them own it. Oh, obviously the Irish have their green. Saying, you know, they, they, they both do their thing. Okay. Yeah. I can do Irish as well. Irish is different. Can you do Irish? Oh, Ireland. It's Moyer and think of Braveheart. <laughs> but you see, it can cross over. How does it switch? How it, I have a hard time to. I, I know the difference between Scottish and, and, and Irish if I hear it, but I can't. 
do the impression. So firstly, this is the disclaimer, I'm not an expert at all. You're pretty good at From it. From our point of view, the Scottish is more guttural and more uh, verbose, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then um, the Irish is kind of more laid back and a little bit, kind of, almost more like South African compared to English. Like British English is like, I say, when I was in India, I noticed a tiger. I mean, that's Queen's English, right? I noticed a tiger, so I asked the porter to fetch my revolver and I shot the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> One of those guys. It's really um, good. I told you I used to do this. See, you don't, you don't, it's like riding a bicycle, man. <laughs> right? Well, I would say the accent was quite exquisite, my good sir. <laughs> However, I could not find my spectacles no matter how long I looked. I looked far, I looked wide, I looked up, I looked down, I looked north, and I looked south. But no matter where I looked, you're making me think of somebody. Like, I'm thinking of, uh, I don't know, a, a movies. I, I feel like I just watched a piece of a movie. Is that a fun movie or is that? No, I just made that up on the fly. But who is the guy? Uh, Absolutely, they do the coffin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they just. So, so that's your English? That's your British? Or? I have a few. I can do, like, more of, like, it, it's so random. See, I, I, I don't know what that really is. Like, it's more, there's like, kind of like the, 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 the rugby or the, the soccer gang, British, like, Hey, Nigel, what you go go there? Like, hey, let's get over here and kick those guys' asses out of there. Like, I'm not, I'm not so good at it. I, I, I mean, that's not bad. It's like sort of on the, the, the like a 22-year-old, like, asshole who, like, goes with his boys and fights people <laughs> at bars. And But I like the old British the most. Like, the old you know, um, the very, the very eloquent, seventy-two-year-old British guy who still smokes his pipe in twenty twenty. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, yes, well, well, if that's what you'd like to do, son, that well, who am I to stop you? You know, like things like that. It's pretty good. But, but then, yeah, German. I like German a lot. It's funny. Oh, welcome to Volkswagen. We have cars and SUVs. And trucks and all types of dust uh, atom. I, 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 I'm like, I have to work on it also, but they always, I always do the und. I just overdo und. the und. Und hamburger, und frankfurter. You think these are American foods, but they are not. They are German, Deutschland foods. Yeah, and they're just, yeah. You should do, you should do voice. I mean, you, you should do voiceovers because you. Yeah, and especially like a child, like like funny for like random voices, like uh, like an old lady, or like especially like an older Jewish woman. Ah, oh, Mister Schwingelberg, what are you doing? The, the food's not ready before dinner. You know they're really like, oh, what are you talking about? You know. Yeah, I see. But the French, the French. I, I have a friend. You, oh, you know him. Gabe's uh, Gabe was roommates with him. Frank. Frank. Honestly, I, I I know of him, but somehow. Uh, lately, I've been uh, I've been in a in the basement, been in the basement. with Joe Biden. <laughs> we had a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> we made a tunnel from here to Joe's. <laughs> we used to play cards, you know, with masks on from like seven hundred feet away. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Sounds. I also do. I also do. Um, oh, if he's the president, I can't talk about him like that anymore. He's, he's the he's also president. Crazy stuff. So yeah, definitely can do some accents. Especially if I'm drunk, which is very hyper, it just comes out more. I, my, oh, actually, I'll send it to you, or I'll try to put it in, because my friend uh, just did a recording of me last night doing a bunch of accents. So, um, I'll send that over to you. I was about to say, that's what she said, but... You know. <laughs> but I missed it. No. My friend sent it over to me, doing a bunch of accents. No, but I think before that, it just comes out. I, I don't know. Oh, okay, that's fine. It's so inappropriate. I'm like a religious Jewish guy with a beard. It's, and then, can we keep it? I don't know. Yes. No, the, 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 the crossing the fingers thing, no, because it's not, we don't do that. I, I understand that. Um, you know, there was one touch wood, you know, ever heard that one? This is also, I mean, you don't want to touch wood, wood, I don't know what it means, um, but it sounds like a touch wood. Touch wood means touching the wood of, like, the cross. And people would say touch wood, like, 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 meaning, like, meaning God willing. Oh, true. okay, because when I said touch, though you said touch wood, I was thinking wood is a penis. No, 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 it's a whole other thing. 
No, no, but I'm saying the, the things that I wouldn't allow in is is that because that is something that I would never really say or might be nervousness having stuff on. But stuff like, you know, rude jokes and stuff, I would probably, you know, like you said, be yourself kind of thing. It's really not myself. It's just that ingrained in us, you hear people all around you all the time crossing their fingers, uh, you know, or, or touch wood or those kind of things that are just colloquialisms. So much so that when I first heard the term, I, I, I once used, sorry, the term touch wood with somebody, I don't know That's what it meant. No. <laughs> See, now, you, now, you, now you're hooked on that. Yeah. Um, but the person said to me, how can you say that? I was like, what, what's wrong with it? I said, well, I mean, maybe this could keep you. Uh, I said, what's wrong with it? And they said, um, you don't know what it means? And I was like, no, I don't know. People just say that. And they said, no, it means like touching the cross. And obviously, we're Jewish. No disrespect to anybody else, but um, we don't believe in Jesus. We don't. If we, if we did, then we would not be Jewish. Yeah. It's just simple as that. It's like, you know, we, we, with all respect to all the Christians who do believe it, and they should be entitled to believe whatever they want to believe. I, uh, I don't believe that, and so I can't go and say things that make it look like, like I, I say stuff like that. You know, um, I don't say Merry Christmas to anybody. You know, I hope that everybody has a happy holiday. And unfortunately, historically, besides all the other connotations of. Uh, you know, the different religion, there's also the fact that Jews were killed as sport on Christmas in for generations in different places around the world. So I you know, I'm very glad that, that it's changed and God willing it will continue to be you know, peaceful and I think that the world and the communication and all this stuff that we have will get us there. You know, that 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 era of Moshiach, the reason that we don't follow Jesus is is because we don't believe he's the Messiah. Exactly. The stars. And, but that era of Mashiach is possible now with the communication that we have. We see all the awesome peace stuff that's happening between the, and even some of it's just token that between the, the, the Arabs and the Jews, that's how it should be. These guys are are our cousins really. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, Abraham had a son Ishmael, he had yeah, that these are our cousins. So we both we both lose our hair where we want to lose it, and we get we grow where we don't want to grow it. That's that's how you know we're a family. An obnoxious <laughs> amount of hair. Thankfully, thankfully, I still have my hair. Hopefully, it'll it'll last until as long as it does. But yeah, no, I wear a cap. You see, it's, it's cheaper than hair transplants. But, uh, I don't know if I'll ever do the hair transplant thing. I think. Listen, I'm hoping I don't go bald for a long time, but if I do, I'll just rock a beard and I'll make sure I stay in shape. It's really what it is. Right. As long as you're fit, as long as you're not so like a, you know, big chunky guy, as long as you're fit and you, you grow a nice full beard, and you're, I think also if you have like more of a, an ovalish head, you can rock it. But, uh, so I'm not so concerned. If it happens, it happens. Adam Sandler has good hair. Right. My kids have good hair. I think Adam Sandler has good hair. Now you have some Jews who have... I have non-Jewish blood. I have my, my father's not Jewish, so I might have taken some things from him. But it's your mother's father where your hair stuff comes from. I think that genetically, that's actually what it is. If your mother's father was born, they say that. They yeah. say that. Yeah. So that, oh, listen, I'm I'm not even thinking about it. Whatever it is, it is. So now with with film now, what what I know you still you say you primarily do Jewish films, but what kind of films are you working on currently? So they all, all of my scripts right now have some level of Jewish element. It's just because it's, it, it, it's what I understand. You don't want to go out there and start preach to people. People don't want to hear your preaching. You know, you want to do that, become a rabbi, become a priest, whatever. I, however, relate to the world as a Jewish guy and from a Jewish perspective and I believe that there's a lot that Judaism has to offer the world in, in, in a cultural way and, and others and so I can honestly portray that element in the films and actually it's, it's part of why I got into it and with such passion mm-hmm. because I don't think that Jews are portrayed accurately at all 
almost across the board in any of these outlets. I mean, you know, Seinfeld stuff and, uh, you know, Larry David, all that stuff is just, it's not, it, it has some aspect of, but it's some aspect of cultural Judaism, but it doesn't have the, the real truth of it. You know what it is? Most American films that do movies on Jewish people only cover Ashkenazi European Reform Judaism, meaning American Jews who are Jewish and have some Jewish tradition, but all it really is is they they have slightly Jewishy accents, you know, with the Jewish American accent, where they're kind of like that that whiny sound, where like the the, the mother, oh, uh, uh, David, come downstairs and get the gefilte fish, you know, like that the one he's like, what do you want, ma? Like just for like with uh, the Big Bang Theory with uh, what's his name. I only watched it a couple of times, but whoever is listening to this knows what I'm talking about. The mo- you never see the mother, but she's always yelling right. at our kid. Huh? That's a stereotype, I'm saying. Yeah, classics, but you don't show... American films don't portray Sephardic Jews, Middle Eastern Jews, how they live. Very rarely, there have been a couple of movies on these things, but very rarely. One thing that really gets me, whenever they show an Israeli film, they'll get an American guy to play an Israeli film. It's like, what are you doing? And then when they do have some sort of Israeli-ish, it's usually American actors, and half the time they only show European-looking Jewish people. It's like most Israelis are easily 50%, more, more, more so than not, Israelis are darker. So the world looks at, at anything they see, whether it's on the news or if it's a movie or a TV show, and they're used to seeing a white person that just happens to be Jewish. And there are very few differences because most American Jews, they don't really do that, they don't practice that much. They go to public schools like everyone else, they eat food, any other food that anyone else eats, they listen to American music, they're just as American as anybody. So they just have these couple of little things they do that separate, that make them a slightly different. So when that's what we understand as Jewish people, then in reality, we don't really know what's going. We don't really know much. But when you, you know, you grew up, did you grow up religious or not? For the most part, my parents got into it more when I was like six years old. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had like a, a cool, secular, real youth, I guess, whatever, from one to six, where my parents would go to the Jewish guild in South Africa on a Saturday and we'd go to the pool and hang out. Mm-hmm. That was my, my Shabbos, my Shabbat. And then they started getting into authentic Judaism and uh, really found their way back. And so since then, since about second grade or something along those lines, uh, I've been more and more religious throughout my life. And then, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I went and sowed my wild oats kind of thing. I went yeah. and, you know, checked out the world just because I, I was so free when I was younger, when, when we would do the Jewish guilt thing, and then, um, not Jewish guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the Jewish guild was the yeah. name of a... a, a you might have gotten a few people there. I have a funny feeling some people heard guilt a lot. Right, so just not guilt. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I wanted to explore just life, freedom, that kind of thing. So I did that for a bit, and then I got back into it, and then I met my wife in Jerusalem, when I was in Yeshiva in Israel, put, where I put myself for a while. And, um, you know, since then I've been religious, yeah. I mean, this is talking 20-something years um, since we married. Uh, wow. We really yeah. didn't think you were, you were uh, in your 40s, it's fine. That's all right, that's good. Yeah. I do, oh, I do push-ups occasionally. Actually, right. I shot a, a thing, uh, <laughs> it was for the University of Miami, it was called Rock Bottom. Um, it was. I wasn't the director of this one. I was just helping out a friend. I was uh, director of photography, and uh, she uh, wrote a, a story for University of Miami, where they started to, you know, they wanted to teach the doctors um, uh, like ethics. So they used to be driver us, Do say this to a patient. Don't say that to a patient. If they would even give them a video, mm-hmm. and they had this idea to do actual like dramas where they could put the story out with like real actors and everything like that and uh, try to make a real scenario and yeah. teach them ethics. That way they could have a discussion. It would just be more interesting for class. It was a really cool project to be involved in. And they, they gave us, this is when I was doing my master's at University of Miami, and uh, 
they gave us this story to do. It was called Rock Bottom, and it was a male stripper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know what it's like to get rained on. <laughs> so I was uh, one of the shots. Uh, yeah, okay, I was involved in creating the shots because as the director of Toby, you work with the director to figure out you know how, how you want things to look and stuff. Yeah. So one of the things was it would be really cool if you saw in slow motion it's like money floating down and the girls like jumping around in, in the background. So, so we, we had real strippers obviously, you know, doing the actual show and then um, I was lying up there and I like, think girls were like throwing money at me and it was kind of funny with the camera. It was really interesting. But anyway, so I, well, I don't even know why I brought this up. But, uh, it's hilarious. Well, we, I don't remember what we were saying before, but for some reason it, it, it reminded me of, of that project and uh, the story was really this guy uh, wanted, he was an older stripper, maybe because you said I'm older or something. Um, and he was uh, trying to enhance himself in his butt, okay. rock bottom, and he meets this plastic surgeon. Oh, it's something in me and plastic surgeons, right? Um, and he meets this plastic surgeon, this woman who's being brought to this ladies' club um, by a friend, the nurse. And uh, so he shows up at her office to get the surgery done, and she says, Sorry, I can't do the surgery. See the ethical part or whatever. You don't need it. There's no fat in your body. It's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. So he goes to some back, you know, street place in Miami, and they inject some stuff into his butt, and then he goes septic and he dies. I mean, that was a story. Lovely, beautiful story. <laughs> um, but uh, that was, I mean, I figured, you know, I, I told what the there was a film I had to. But and then obviously, you know, the university it's, it's, it's out there, you can actually Google rock bottom deliberations, I think. And you'll find it you'll, sure. you'll find the stripper film. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. How funny. Sure. I just, I, if I find it I'll it's not working out, I just remember. So, so when I'm doing this I'm like I was a little pudgy and I thought, you know, damn, I'm around these hot guys, it's not fair, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go learn how to do a push-up again. <laughs> so I did, and uh, I'm pretty fit. Good. I see. Yeah, dude, you definitely... Thank God. Definitely for, fit. For an old fart. Yes. Thanks. Yes. You know, a very old fart you are. But no, but you're... you're yeah, you do. It's, it's not... It's definitely not common. People in their mid-40s are usually like... Go on. Quite, uh, quite pudgy, I'd say. So yeah, good for you, man. I definitely... I'm definitely going to check out more of your content. Um, based on what you're telling me, it sounds very interesting. A lot of it's going to be old, but I have to warn you, a lot of it is pre-2012 just because, um, for two reasons. One is because of the incident with Mother Water. Yeah. The other reason is because I really started to think that, you know, I'm doing a bunch of music videos and stuff, and they're cool to do and whatever, but I really need to move on to the next level. And so a lot of the projects I'm doing had a lot more scope and, uh, and just, they're not stuff that you just put out on the web. Or at least back then, you, you, they weren't. The world changed a lot while my daughter was going through what she went through. But you know, now with the experience and that that I've got, I'm really, like I said, working on a whole lot of things. And I, I mean, I have stuff that I could also send you. Um, maybe, maybe I'll send you the, the this pilot that I mentioned. I'll send you just the the rough cut. It's a rough cut. That'd be awesome. I would love to see it. Yeah. I've, I'll be honest with you. I've always wanted to do acting. Like I wouldn't do just any form, I, I wouldn't, it's this kind of thing where I still have like my, my boundaries, so only certain things I would do, but I, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm such an animated person, and uh, I love doing these different impersonations, I like to be able to personify a character or idea that I feel hasn't been done properly, because there really are some films that they really don't do a good job with, with certain, like, act, uh, certain roles. Right, even with good actors. So yeah, I mean, yes, it's not even the actor's fault. The actor's just not the right person for that. Right. Um, so casting. I'm trying to think of examples because there's plenty of them. But uh, like, the, for instance, the Zohan, right? Adam Sandler. I think that was just a like a parody. It was funny. So he was he did great in the movie. It was hilarious. But he's not meaning it, because it's a comedy. It worked. But if he was trying to actually portray an Israeli. I don't know how well he would do because the accent's not really on point. Oh, it's not just the accent. I, mean, I think it's it, meant it, to. I think it's meant to be that way on purpose, maybe. But uh, yeah, that probably with it. With the Zohan, probably. I, I. I mean, but I get it. I, I. You know, there is an authenticity. That's. I want to bring the authenticity 
to the Jewish element because it's just not there. Even in the most authentic stuff, like Shtesel. Have you heard of Shtesel? Sure, sure, sure. It comes from Israel originally. Actually, I think they just started one series maybe in Brooklyn. There's such a mega authenticity. The guys who are playing the roles are getting the mannerisms, a lot of the stuff they're getting down and they really look like Orthodox Jews and they're not for the most part. And unorthodox was fantastic but, with the acting, but but it still lacks. Even even when they get it down to that level of fine and and, and, and looks real, in a way it's worse because there's still not the authenticity. They don't get the essence of what's driving. These you know guys. what it is though. I think to a large degree it's because they're not that. Meaning. It's very hard to personify a Hasidic Jew because they're such different people. They're so they're so unique. There's so few of them in the world. So the only people who can really act them out because they're so on the fringe of society, they're just this insular community. No one really knows about them. So to have a even even Jews, even me, I honestly think I would do a pretty damn good job because I I grew up I grew up around them. I know a lot of them. I worked with them as a waiter for years. Like I feel like I can do the mannerisms, the whole thing. Okay. okay. So I'll 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 finish that for you if you yeah. don't mind. Yeah. It takes let's say you have somebody who's who, who's not the actual Hasidic Jew and you, you're casting somebody who's who's a secular or even a, a somewhat religious Jew but just not the Hasidic so he doesn't have the the actual essence of where the guy's coming from or girl. If you have the right director, the director takes you there. That's that's what I do. That's what that's I could take one of those folks and and help them to portray what the authentic character is in that situation. And I mean, a director has to do something. They're not there just to say, "Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> cut." You know, it, they're there to to help the actors get to where they can be. I mean, there is a, there is a, a role that the director plays, and uh, it's subtle. It's it's lost on most people. They don't realize. You know, you, you see all the pictures of directors. You know, they point in. <laughs> they're doing something, and they do. I mean, they have to know the lighting, the camera, and when what the lenses are. They have to understand the language of what they're working with. But then there's working with the actors, which is a very important part, and then just understanding how to get them to that point. Now, I, I'm not saying the directors are bad. The directors of Shkessa and all that are really pretty good, but they, I feel like they can't be, I mean, I'm a Hasidic Jew, and I really know, I really understand that essence of how to get there. I mean, and I have to apologize for any cursing of it as a Hasidic Jew, but um, I nevertheless do understand that, how that works, and I want to, that out there. And it's not just the Hasidic Jew, it's just the, the importance of understanding some Goyim, some non-Jewish, Goyim by the way is not a derogatory word, people, a lot of people think Goyim is a derogatory word. Because it's sometimes said in a derogatory way, that's the truth. Right, but it actually Goyim is, uh, Israel is called a Goyim Gadol, a Goyim... Uh, great nation. Is a Goyim Gadol, I guess, a great nation. It just means nation. Interesting. It so means nations. Nations. It just means nations. Or exactly. Nations. But I mean, since I'm talking about it, I wouldn't... Yeah, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. The best actors uh, as Jews were non-Jews. Uh, Brandon Fraser did a really good Jew in School Ties. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see it. Um, and, and that's... That, the funny thing is, he was, maybe blindly, but he was authentic. He was a proud, amazing Jew. Kind of... Uh, the character, in a way, was similar to... Um, Gonna suffer about the name of the film. It's uh, it was one of those Nazi ones with uh, with Daniel Craig. With the Daniel Craig, yeah. Ah, that I, that is so funny that you and I were thinking the same thing. Uh, um, it was called. It was with the the uh, Belsky brothers. Yes. Belsky brothers. What was the movie called? The movie was called um, Defiance. Defiance. Phenomenal movie. One of my honestly one of my. So you enjoy, enjoy school ties as well. It's he was Daniel Craig killed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the other guy. I know. I know. Um, Schraub, wasn't it? Uh, so, so Dan Schraub is Jewish and he played, what's his name? He played, uh, they were the Belsky brothers and their names were, to, his name was, Tovia was, was Daniel Craig. Who was the other guy? I don't know, there were three brothers. Wait, is Daniel Craig Jewish? Actually, no, I'm uh, pretty sure he is. 
Schreiber is, and then the other guy, the other blonde guy, I don't think is either. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but they all did a phenomenal job. And I'm, I can imagine. My, my kids were telling me the other day about this, these people who like, you know, commenting on like, you know, Reddit and all these places that that Jewish people are not attractive and, and blah blah. Do they know that like Scarlett Johansson is uh, Jewish? Uh, Gal Gadot, just by the way, Wonder Woman. So they did some thing with her face and they put it into a mold yeah, of something yeah. perfect that they pre-constructed, and, <laughs> and she turned out to like literally fit in the mold. Gal Gadot happens to be Jewish. Right. I mean. There's a lot of, you know what it is, man, there are numerous attractive Jews, but the reality also, I'm going to say something very controversial, Yes, I think that there's also Jews that have married into their families a lot, and then you start, you start to develop certain features that aren't as attractive, and attraction Kurt Douglas, I just say Kurt Douglas, Kurt Douglas has a look. Michael Douglas looks a lot like Kurt Douglas looked, and Michael Douglas' mother is not Jewish. Mm -hmm. um, so you, what you said has a thing, but, but Michael looks like Kirk, so I don't know. Kirk Douglas is Jewish as Jewish can be, and, and many others. Okay, Adam Sanders got the egghead, I mean, he even jokes mm -hmm. about it, right? Sorry, I interrupted you, dude. Yeah, like, I, I, there are people who say I look Jewish, the people who say I don't, you know, I, I'm half Italian, half Jewish, a lot of us look similar, so I don't know if I look more Jewish or more Italian. I'm sure there are people who watch this who are like, oh, you look Jewish as hell. Some people are like, oh, I don't know what Jewish really looks like. Or other people are like, oh, you look Italian. I get it all. I don't usually get people thinking like I'm Jewish right off the bat, but like I feel like people who are also Jewish that know me might be like, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of it depends on also how you come off. Like, because I grew up in Brooklyn, if I see a person wearing a baseball cap and they have a certain looking face, you can kind of just tell. It's There are definitely some people that have what, what you call a Jewish look, for sure. And they're not necessarily Jewish, but I actually find it more so in women. It's funny. I love, how, I love this conversation. I'm not supposed to look at women anymore because I'm married. For <laughs> but, like, there's... I could sometimes see a girl like in a random public place, like in a supermarket, and I just look at her and I'm like, she's probably Jewish. And she's not, she's not wearing anything that particularly Jewish, but just has a certain face. And it's just, it's the kind of thing that you either know or you don't. But it's not always, it's, it's more often than not, not the case, because we've been, all, we've lived all over the world, we've traveled all over the world, we speak all these different languages, you have Jews from all walks of life, so... It's not really as, as, as true of a thing as maybe it once was. Maybe when we were all concentrated in Europe, then, you know, it's we were. I mean, we never really were. There's, there's Ethiopian Jews who are 100% Jewish. Right. Um, I mean, there are a lot of black Jews who converted, but Ethiopian Jews are completely black. There's all the Sephardic Jews, as you mentioned before, sure, that sure, are sure. really dark-skinned, you know, Sephardic. The Yemenites are very dark-skinned, but still, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know if they, I don't, could you call them Caucasian? I don't know. Um, yeah, Yemenites? Yemenites. Yemenites are definitely, well, Yemenites are, are, are what you call Mizrahi, so they're kind of African also in their own right. But right, they're, but they're, they're not they're black, Arabs. I mean, they're not black in, in, in right. terms Yemen, of Right, you know, the Yemenite Jews are Jewish people by, by blood, but you can argue that they're Arab Jews, you can say, you can argue that. Yes. I don't know, it sounds kind of like an oxymoron to you. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so against, like, the separating between, yeah, fine, you grew up, your mother looked like that, your father, who gives a crap? I like, completely honestly, agree a, a human being is, is we all essentially brothers, right. sons, right. sisters, uh, uh, brothers, sorry, sorry, we all essentially are sisters and brothers, mm -hmm. and we come from Adam and Eve, that's it, you know, I mean, and even if you don't believe in Adam and Eve, you know, we, we still, the human race is all yeah, originally right. from the same DNA. We share, uh, the DNA is exactly, you, you can't tell skin color from DNA. I saw that uh, recently, actually, on a science, something that's right. I read it. Well, you can't tell skin color, but you can tell which countries they're from, and based on those countries, you're, you can kind of make those assumptions. Okay, but no, I, might, I might come up as, I've never done that DNA thing, but I might come up as, as African. Uh, 100%. I get, I get what you're saying. It makes sense. With that being said, Fine, sir. Thank you very much for coming on to the episode. Thank you for having me. You're, you're very pleasant to speak with. You just uh, 
It's, a lot of it's the accent, by the way. But Plus, I'm drunk at my son had his bar mitzvah today. <laughs> we didn't have to get it, I just cracked up. No, actually, Another thing, uh, I'm partially believing that you're drunk now. Lubavitch <laughs> Jews, or, or what we call Chabad Jews, <laughs> I've spoken this on other, other episodes, one of the stereotypes of Chabad Jews, aside from all the wonderful stereotypes about them, is that they like to drink a lot, due to the fact that Lubavitch, the sect started in Russia, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, we know we know how Russians are, so ultimately, <laughs> that's how it is. So you, you're welcome, I suggest you drink some water before you drive back, and <laughs> Pharrell, thank you I'm so much. Drunk. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I believe you. Pharrell, thank you so much for coming, brother, I appreciate it, you, uh, and, and you taught me, this is the first time I've really done, I did one with my friend Ezra, where we talked about film, He's uh, a lot newer in the business. He's, he seems to be very busy now. And he's extremely passionate about it. So we had a, on episode eight, if you ever have a moment to check it out, um, cool. definitely check it out. And if there's any time you want to collaborate with someone in Israel, I'm sure maybe you know some Israeli filmmakers, but he's, he's up and coming. I think he's going to be doing phenomenal things in the next couple of years. Shout out to you, Ez. He's so, in Israel? Ezra, yeah, Ezra Weiser, he was, a, he was a friend of mine in the Army, sweetheart, absolutely. I work with some awesome Americans who live in Israel right now. Well, there is yeah. right now, you know, by Aliyah. Right, right, right. So he made Aliyah, yeah. So, yeah, without further ado, I always say without further ado, the end of my episode. Thank you so much for coming. Stay tuned for another episode of Soothing Semantics. Merci beaucoup. Until next time, uh, Mad, mad, madame and mademoiselle, no, mademoiselle and madame is the same, they're both women. How do you say? Monsieur. Oh yeah, monsieur. Monsieur. All right, guys. 